So I was thinking about channeling Justin this morning, and then I decided not to, and then I decided that I should. So <laughs> I love all of his, like, uh, his sports-themed church chants. So anyways, when I say, who's good, you say he's good. Who's good? Jesus. Who's good? Jesus. When I say, who's gone, you say Justin. Who's gone? Justin. Who's gone? <laughs> Yay. I thought that would be pretty funny, but, you know, he's asking, John was praying about my nerves, and, you know, I appreciate that, but earlier this morning, I was thinking about checking myself into nursery, <laughs> but, but Ryan, Ryan said I couldn't, I was thankful for her, but let me pray with you guys, just to give, the Lord would give me courage to share, I'm just, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just, uh, I just praise your name, Lord, I ask that as I share my story, my testimony, Lord, that they wouldn't hear anything about me, Lord, but about what you've done in me, only by your grace and mercy. So just give me courage and boldness to share what I need to say, and uh, just give us open eyes and ears and hearts. Lord, in Matthew, you talked about um, a scripture in Isaiah where it says they don't have eyes to see, and they don't have ears to hear, and they don't have hearts to understand. I pray that that wouldn't be the case here, that you would, you would be heard, and you would be understood, and you would be seen. Lord, I just pray these things in your precious name. Jesus, amen. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, here we go. My story. Jesus and me. So, I was born in Toppenish, Washington. Um, you guys all know Larry and Sherry Smithwick. We're actually down there visiting them. My dad always said that the Indian chief at the native hospital cut me out with a tomahawk, but that didn't happen either. But um, I'm one of five. Amy, Robbie, Riley, Timmy, Johnny. Five, five kids, four siblings. Um... I grew up going to a Christian school in town here, Cookinland Academy, um, kind of part of my upbringing. But, you know, I was sharing that I don't want the story just to be about me, and so ultimately what I want to share with you guys is, is my encounters with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and how he's captured my heart and called me to follow him. So that story um, starts as a young kid, you know, in CIA, going to, like, vacation Bible school after school. Um, when I'm sharing with my kids at youth group, I tell them about how many times I've accepted Jesus into my heart. I just remember multiple instances just, just wanting assurance that Jesus was in my heart and that I would be saved and that I could be with him and not in hell. Um, but the first time I actually remember um, just feeling the Holy Spirit in Jesus was when uh, my uncle and my aunt got in a plane wreck. They had their three girls in the plane with them, and they all, they all died in the plane wreck. They actually crashed on the ice, and the plane sunk. They couldn't get the girls out, and he needed to go up for a breath of air. And uh, he just kept swimming and swimming and swimming. <laughs> but, you know, for me and my story, I remember, I remember being up super late at night just crying. You know, roll of toilet paper there just blowing my nose, but... That was the first moment I ever felt the Lord, you know. I was, you know, even in the midst of that pain and, and trial, I just remember feeling comforted. I felt the peace. The Lord was just telling me it was going to be okay and that he had a plan. <laughs> you know, my story is all about seeing the good in the tragedy, seeing the mercy of the Lord and His grace and His faithfulness sh showing me that He's good, even in trial. And I know a lot of you can relate to that, and that's part of why I get emotional, but, um, you know, today, Jeremy and Michelle, they have, 
nine kids now. Three, three passed on, but now they have six boys. They started off with Samantha, Jesse, Katie, and he had Michelle, and their dog was Tippy. She was a girl, too. You know, I felt he was probably overwhelmed by the girls, and now they're overwhelmed by boys. They got six of them running around, but, uh, you know, just another, just another shout-out to the Lord of his goodness. I don't know if that was me. Um, but, you know, just looking at that and being like, wow, Lord, you know, I think about Job, you know, just somebody who was crushed, but, but everything that he had was multiplied by at least two times, and the, in the end, the Lord prospered him. Uh, yeah, so anyway, so after that, I mean, going, up, going to Cooking Lit Academy, I, I was super involved with sports and leading worship in chapels and getting involved in, in ways like that. I went to lots of Bible camps. I've, well, lots as in Tenalian Bible Camp. I spent a lot of my time out there with family members and being on work crews and going to camp and helping with counseling. Um, eventually in high school, I kind of felt like I was just kind of stuck in the mud about my junior year in high school. And it turns out I met a girl from Soldatna High School and I really wanted to play football. So I ended up switching schools, went over there to play football, ended up dating that gal um, my junior year. So so coming out of my, my junior year in high school, so that was my my the summer between junior and senior year, I was commercial fishing out a Coho Loop, South Coho Loop on the Kisilov, and we were, we were set netting, and it was just a really miserable season. Our biggest catch the whole year was a bunch of logs. And any of you have commercial fish, that's like the worst thing that can ever happen. So we're like, we're round hauling this net, and we're pulling in all these logs. It was just miserable. The whole summer was just really tough and rough, and I was butting heads with the people I was working with, and uh, so one day we were mending all those nets that had been all ripped up by the logs, and my mom called me, and uh, she, said, she said that somebody had drowned in the river in the Kenai, and they thought it was my dad, and that his truck had been there for like two nights in a row. A couple guides uh, witnessed him kind of waving his hand, but they'd already pulled their boats out of the water, and so I hop in my car and drive home, and I just remember just foggy tears and just kind of going through the motions on the way home. But I remember when I got home, there was a bunch of family members there already, and we were all in the kitchen, and my mom was over there crying. But I remember going over and giving her a hug and just able to say, like, that it's going to be okay because God's in control. I don't know. I don't know why the Lord's given me a huge portion of faith, but he has. That even in that moment, I was able to see and to know and to be comforted that it was going to be okay. I remember right after that, you know, I gave my brother Riley a hug. And that was the first time I'd ever told him that I loved him. And looking back... Um, onto that summer. Uh, my dad did a lot of commercial fishing, and I had a lot of moments with him where I was just able to connect with him in a way that I never had before. Uh, I remember my dad was building this big green in our backyard, and he'd called up Blair Martin and was like, yeah, I need all these big boulders to reinforce the wall and we were we drove over there in the truck to go get him we were loading up all these rocks and my dad threw a rock that absolutely crushed my pinky and I still have a scar today but I just remember rubbing, <laughs> rubbing shoulders with him uh, 
you know, late nights talking about commercial fishing and where, you know, they weren't letting us fish because that's kind of the theme of commercial fishing, waiting to fish. And he's telling me stories about fishing. So I just had a couple awesome run-ins with my dad. But the most important one, uh, that girl I was talking about, we were dating, we were making dinner, and my dad comes home in a taxi. And uh, I'm like, oh, weird. He comes in and he's like, Robbie, what is she still doing here? What are you thinking? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He, he goes upstairs and goes to bed. I'm like, weird. So big thing for my dad was he loved milkshakes. So after dinner, we're making milkshakes. And I run upstairs. I'm like, Dad, you want a milkshake? And he's just like, what is she still doing here? I'm going to put clothes on and I'm going to take her home. And any of you guys who know my dad, he's serious. He's going to jump out of bed and come down there because he likes just doing intense things. So we're like, whatever. So we're... We're just hanging out, and he comes down the stairs 30 minutes later. It's like 9 p.m., July, sunny outside. <laughs> looks, looks kind of hazy, a little bit like the morning in Alaska at 9 a.m., and he's all showered up, pizza boy shirt on, hair gelled, and he comes down the stairs, and he's like, Robbie, what is she still doing here? Like, what are you doing? And I'm looking at him down the hallway. He's standing at the banister of the stairs, and he says, and I'd say to him, I was just like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it's 9 p.m. And he just sits there at the banister, and his head kind of just went down, and he started crying. And so I went up to him, and I just gave him a big hug and told him that I loved him. And he kind of pushed me away a little bit. You know, he's crying. And he looked at me and said, one day you guys will be proud of me. <sighs> the weight of shame and sin is just so huge. My dad struggled a ton with drugs and alcohol throughout his life. <laughs> He's kind of in and out of our lives all the time as far as living at home, always in our lives. But, you know, that was kind of, uh, it's kind of rough to grow up that way. My dad was awesome. He loved people so well. He needed a lot of grace and he extended a lot of grace. Uh, but, you know, he was in a moment of about two years you know, where we had sat down and had a big family discussion. They were talking about divorce, and he ended up coming back home, and he did really well. But, you know, I don't know if he was falling back into that stuff or not. But one thing's for sure that um, the Lord gave me a lot of awesome moments with my dad before he passed. And uh, that was the first time I'd ever told my dad that I loved him. Not just like, oh, love you, Dad, you know. But I was like, I love you for who you are. So, you know, just looking again on God's faithfulness, he gave me exactly what I needed for closure with my father, with my earthly father in that moment. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm almost out of the tear part. <laughs> uh, so a little bit after that, we had my dad's memorial service. And the kind of funny thing about that was that I, I wasn't going to do, thanks, John. I wasn't going to play football. I was kind of leaning towards not. My dad had just died. Practices were already starting, and I was already going to miss the first, like, month of practices because of fishing. But I ended up not going back fishing, and my dad's memorial rolled around and wore tie-dye in our shirts because that would honor him because he just liked being weird. He'd show up to work in my mom's flower pajamas with a tie-dye shirt on, and... You know, just that was him. 
you liked just being abnormal if it made somebody laugh or smile. If you're uptight, you'd push your buttons till you were so mad that you couldn't be mad. Um, so anyways, at my dad's memorial service, me and my cousin Caleb were actually leading worship. And I couldn't have done it without him there just because it was too much. But we're saying, blessed be your name. You know, you give and take away, but my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. You know, and I honestly believe that. But a side note is I remember watching these, this big group of guys in white jerseys come pouring into the back of, our, of his memorial service. And it was my football team. They all had these RS patches sewn on their jerseys. And uh, I was like, wow, that's so cool. It kind of made me cry. But after we were done singing, Nate Davis, my uncle, came up. And he, he basically shared the gospel. He shared a little bit about my dad, but he shared a message that was filled with the gospel and hope, the hope that we have that people without Jesus do not. And I'm just like, already the Lord's like, Robbie, look at what I've done. It's like all those guys are just hearing the gospel right now. You know, so many people that came to my dad's memorial service that knew him and knew what he stood for and knew that he loved Jesus, you know, they're there, they're hearing it again. And I was just like, just once again, thankful that he was showing me his goodness in trial. In tragedy. So moving on to the football season, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. I'm like eight years out of high school now and people don't characterize me by my sports anymore. Well, at least some of them. I ran into a guy the other day that's like, man, I remember watching you play football. You were awesome. I was like, yeah, that was really fun. We ended up, we ended up going 11 and 0 my senior year after my dad passed and I got Gatorade player of the year and I'm just I rushed for, I think, 20 yards per carry on the year, and it was just like, oh, this crazy season. It was like the coolest thing, and um, just another awesome opportunity to give glory to the Lord, rubbing shoulders with all those guys in football, you know. One of, the, one of the biggest things I remember is after every game, they're always asking me to go drink or smoke pot with them, and I remember them being like, dude, if we win the state championship, will you go smoke down with us? And I was like, yeah, if we win the state championship, I will. They're like, really? I'm like, no, I'm not going to go do that. <laughs> You know, it's pretty fun, but I mean, I've rubbed shoulders with a lot of those guys later on in life, and you know, I'm just really thankful for the Lord having a, having a, a pretty good grab on my heart, even in that moment, that I could just be a witness to those guys. Uh, so me and that gal were still dating. We ended up deciding to go different ways for college. She kind of got scared and broke up with me in the summer, like three weeks before she went to school, and she ran to my house 10 miles in the rain with a really long letter and gave it to me. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And we ended up getting back together right before we went to college. And I was going to go the same place as her, but we ended up splitting ways to kind of test the relationship. And uh, I ended up going all the way to Ohio, which I had like really good scholarships in the Midwest to go play football. But I really wanted to go to the West Coast to be close to her. So I ended up not playing football, but ended up going to the to the Midwest anyways for school. So super silly, but Anyway, sure enough, like a month after, a month after I got to school, she just started pulling away. And we just kind of stopped talking, and it was like the most devastating for me ever because I was still trying to be in touch and I was trying to be super faithful her to her, and she just slowly pulled away. And that was, I mean, my dad dying was super hard, but I mean that was, that was probably one of the biggest things that has happened to me in my life where, where. You know, she was there for me. She was my best friend for two years before we started dating. And then she was there for me when my dad died. And so it was kind of like I didn't lose everything. But at this moment in my life, I was just so broken. I didn't have the answers. I didn't know what to do. And I just remember, 
just digging into the Word. I read Job in one night and just couldn't stop reading. You know, and it gets to the point where, you know, Job and his friends are all talking and talking, 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 talking. And finally, it's like, like 35 chapters in, it's like, and the Lord spoke. And I just remember being like, whoa, like, that's just crazy. And just another reminder of just who God is. And you get to the end of Job and you just see how, how the Lord prospered Job and that he took care of him no matter what. And I just, I just remembered thinking that, you know, like, that, that being with God is so much better than without and that he's really all we need. And he just kept reminding me that. And he just kept helping me push on. And I had my cousin Caleb there, my best man in, in my wedding, and he was the most encouraging person to me in that. But after I was, um, after we broke up, the second semester back at school was super, super healing. You know, I'd been avoiding relationships with girls and kind of staying away from friend, friend groups that I just didn't feel like would be honoring to, to the girl that I was pursuing and I was planning on marrying. So that was just, it was super healing to, to then go into life and being able to pursue relationships with people, well, friendships, I'd say. So I found a lot of healing in that semester at school, but even cooler thing, end of the semester, I was, so this is the summer after college, I was planning to go on a missions trip to Africa, okay, and like any other guy, I procrastinated, and I needed to raise like, I can't remember, it was like $4,200 total, and I was like, I was sitting at like, $2,000, and it's like, my funds are due in like five days, so I get on Facebook, and I'm like, hey, like, this is what I'm doing, I'm, you know, I'm calling myself, I've been just like, super lazy and procrastinating, and I am, I need help, and, you know, it's pretty cool, the Lord answered a lot of prayers in some ways, but I remember getting a phone call from Guy Riley, and he was like, he's like, hey man, tell me about this missions trip that you're doing, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, well, this is what's happening, and Let's tell him all about the trip and what we're going to do and how we're going to connect with the people there and, and what we're doing. And he's just like, wow, man, that's really awesome. He's like, so, so look, I don't know how much you owe, but me and my family, we've been praying uh, before this. And we actually just gave you a, a big chunk of money and, and he shared the number with me. He's like, we prayed and the Lord told us to give you that much. He's like, I don't know how much you need, but let us know if you need anything more. And I, I just kind of teared up because the number he said was how much I needed. And I was like, wow, that's just crazy, you know, and sure enough, I get off the phone with him, and I check my email, and it's like, doop, doop. I was like, you've been given this much money for it, because I kept getting all these updates on the website from who's given, I'm like, wow, that's just so crazy, and I was just like, wow, Lord, you're so cool, because I just was kind of trusting him that if he wanted me to go, that he was going to provide at that point, because I had already exhausted all of my time and resources, and I knew that it, in my power, I wasn't able to make it. And like 30 seconds later, another huge chunk of money comes in from someone else. And it turns out that my, how much money that was, that I was able to raise ended up paying for another person to go that was short on funds. Uh, just another cool God thing. And uh, as far as his faithfulness goes, so I go on this mission trip to Africa and this is the coolest thing because it's why I'm here today. We're going we're going through this uh, college, African Bible Colleges, and basically those kids are sponsored to come out of their village and go to the college and learn about God. So they're not paying for it themselves, they're sponsored. But those kids that had graduated, those were the kids we were going back into the same villages that they came out of, and they were ministering to their people and sharing God's word and going and doing all the medical services and everything. And it just occurred to me, I was just like, the Lord was just like, Robbie, there's people in your backyard that I want you to go to. And it was just, it was the coolest experience. You know, people in Africa where I was, it's like their eyes were just so big. When you mentioned hope, you mentioned something that is 
better than what's going on. You know, we have so many ways to distract ourselves and satisfy ourselves here, but they're, you know, the kids are playing with a soccer ball that's torn to pieces and the ball goes out into the thorns and thistles and they're not looking for something long to pull it out. They go thrashing in their bare feet and they're trying to grab it because that's just what they're doing. You know, the, the life, I mean, we ended up putting in a well when we were there. I mean, I didn't, but the, the crew we were with did. I'm um, just like, even just the little things that, that they appreciated so much. When you share about Jesus, their eyes are just like, whoa. And they're like focused on you because they know that that hope that we're sharing, like that's one of a kind. That's something they'll never experience without Jesus. And for us, you know, it's like we're sitting here all distracted. But man, it's cool. The Lord just was really working on my heart there to, to call me to come here. So after after that trip, I ended up coming home. I was I was not in debt at the time from school, but I was going to be seriously in debt if I went back the next year. I had a talk with my granddad, and he's. His eyes are watering. He's like, you don't want to get that debt monkey on your back. And so he put the fear in me. And I ended up not going back to school. I ended up staying and doing some construction work. Uh, and then through that summer, and then the fall came around, and I went to Tennessee to pursue my music. Um, I really loved sports growing up, but I really loved music. Um, it's pretty funny. My dad once, he was like, he's like, you know, Robbie, I've got all this music in me. I've got all this stuff. He's like, but I can't get it out. He's like, but you, you can get it out. He's like, I hear all the same things you do, but I can't get it out of me. I thought that was pretty funny, but I was talking with a fellow in church here a while back, and he was just like, man, it's awesome when you can speak truth over your kid, and you can tell them, tell them who they are and what they're good at. And just another reminder to me, this was just a month ago, of how good my dad was in so many ways. You know, he he was sharing with me my gifts and, and putting courage in my heart to do what the Lord's called me to do. So I, so I pursued music in Tennessee. I, I'm just kind of checking out the music industry, like not sure what I want to do. I'm not really sure if I want to be down there doing music. And I found a really cold welcome. It was really hard to make connections down there. Um, things just did not go my way. And it was really hard. I didn't ever find good community. I was living with family down there and they were awesome. It was an amazing time, but I ended up coming back home in January, and I started working with John Kastenholtz, and uh, it was a really good experience for me doing construction. I'm still doing some construction here and there, but it was kind of a searching that I was doing. I was trying to figure out what I was supposed to be doing at this point in my life. I ended up keeping doing music on the side. I finished an album, and uh, I remember I remember asking the Lord multiple times with my music. I I always had this idea like I was going to draw in a really big secular crowd with my music, but then be able to share the word with them. Like all my songs, all my love songs, my sappy love songs that I write, they, they could be to God or to girls. That was my goal. It's just kind of be, to be ambiguous about, about the words. Use yous and oohs and babies and, and I love yous, you know. It's like, it was pretty funny, but, you know, I look at that and it's pretty cool just... Uh, Man, this is another month ago. It's really cool seeing the way that the Lord answers prayers in the future. Um, you know, my goal, that was my goal with my music. I was like, man, Lord, I want, to, I want to draw in a crowd and be able to share your love with them. So, I mean, that was my heart in it. At least I thought, you know, so I was really praying for that. Uh, end up keeping working construction, get my airplane license, uh, pursued another girl long distance. I don't know what my problem is with long distance relationships, but I mean, I thought that she was the one. thought the first one was the one, but this one was definitely the one. She loved the Lord. She was beautiful. I was attracted to her, not just, not just physically, but spiritually. She was 
we were pretty equally yoked. She was pretty deep and knew the Lord and had a heart to serve him. And uh, for reasons beyond my control, that just pulled away and fell apart too. And spending another summer just sad and crushed and not sure what's going on. I go to Tenalian Bible Camp to be a, a counselor for Team Pursuit. You're working with the older kids, kind of seniors in high school, college, first two years of college, I think. But I remember um, talking to all these other counselors, and there's multiple guys. There's about two guys that I had heard direct testimonies from that were like, man, you know what? I was so over it. I just, I just gave up. I was like, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to look for a girl anymore. I'm just going to wait till you bring someone into my life. And they're like, man, the, the day I surrendered my life to the Lord, like, I met my, I met my wife. But I had sworn I wouldn't date a girl for six months, so I couldn't even date her. I was just like, that's one guy. He's like, six months on the dot, 6 a.m., coffee. We were on a date. Another guy, another guy, he's like, man, you know what? I just felt like my whole life I was driving the car and Jesus was in the passenger seat. I was like, you know what, Jesus? I'm going to take you everywhere I go. He's like, I had good intentions. I had a good heart. He's like, but what I didn't realize is that God didn't want to be in my, in my passenger seat. He wanted to be in the driver's seat. And he wanted to take me where he wanted to take me. He's like, I never realized how much better that would be than what I had in plan for myself. And I was just like, wow, I feel like that totally. Like, I have all these great intentions for what I'm going to do for the Lord, or what I'm going to do with him, where I'm going to take him. And so we go up to trail camp, and uh, I call it Sermon on the Point, because we're out there on this little, on this little peninsula in, in Lake Contrashibuna, and we're setting up camp, and... Uh, an African-American pastor from Chicago, and he's just awesome. Oh, I just don't remember. But he's, he shares this message on, at night, and he's, just, he's talking about walls that you have between you and the Lord. Like, what's, 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 what's pulling you away from the Lord? And, you know, I'm like, man, I have no idea. I don't know what. You know, he's been priming me all week. He's been sharing with me what needs to happen through, through his people. And uh, nothing. We, we keep going throughout the night. And the next morning he comes up and he's just like, you know, the Lord's just telling me I need to preach the same sermon again today from a different angle. I'm like, oh, here we go. So he does it again. We get to the end of the message and I'm still just like, man, I don't know what you're trying to speak to me, Lord. You know, I'm like, obviously he's talking to all the kids too, but I'm sitting there like, man, I don't know what kind of walls are between me and the Lord. He gets done with that and he sends us all out to do quiet time for 20 minutes by ourselves. And I'm just like, huh, I, I don't know. So I go out there and I'm flipping through the back of my book and I'm like, I should look into baptism, okay? So that's, that's a theme in my life. At college, that was the first time I even thought about needing to be baptized. I'm like, what do you mean? I have an awesome relationship with the Lord. I don't think you need to be baptized. And they're arguing over whether you sprinkle babies, whether you dunk them, or whether you wait until you ask Jesus in your heart. And I'm like, who needs baptism? You know, you look into the Word and it's, it's different than that. But um, this is actually, so Justin introduced me last week. This is actually that same year this is at the end of my first year of doing an internship here so I've already kind of been like man like I I'm not baptized and I'm leaving these kids so I'm like there's a mix of like I want to do it but also when's the right time but also I'm scared what are people going to think and it's just kind of like Satan had just kept doing this battle in me he's trying to pull me different directions he doesn't want me he doesn't want me to obey the Lord but really baptism comes down to that that it's an act of obedience and public proclamation of your faith and the Lord grabbed a hold of me right there, and he, he turned me in Acts to, to Philip and the eunuch. And uh, Paul, Paul shared, I mean, 
Philip shares with him, and he's, he's like, how, how am I going to understand if someone doesn't explain it to me? He explains the gospel to him, boom, right then and there he accepts the Lord in his heart, and he's like, man, there's water all over the place. Why shouldn't I just be baptized? So he goes and gets baptized, and I'm sitting there on this point surrounded by water. The Lord's like, Robbie, there's water all over the place. Get baptized. And I'm just like, but my family's not all out here, and this and that. And he's just like, man, I asked the guy, and I'm like, man, Will you baptize me? So Sunday morning after church, we went down to the lake and he dunked me. He's like, that's actually what he said. He's like, I'll dunk you all day, brother. <laughs> when I asked him, and it was just, it was the coolest thing. And I'd just been waiting for, I'd been sharing my testimony like this for years and years before that moment, you know, in chapels and just sharing of the Lord's faithfulness with good heart intentions, just like I am now. But, but trying to take Jesus where I wanted to take him. And, you know, from that moment, I mean, uh, I went up, I went commercial fishing that year, went up to Brooks Range Bible Camp, came back, met my wife. Three months later, six months later, I was engaged. Six months later, we were married. And I mean, I'm not saying that happens that way for everybody, but man, when I decided that I didn't want the driver's seat in my life anymore, that I wanted to go on the ride that Jesus had for me, that's where he's taking me today. And uh, So I got to share it. Now, a lot of you guys don't know my story with Kara, but I actually met her while I was in Ohio, right? So doing long distance with the girl I think I'm going to marry. Um, she pulls away. During Easter break, we go to Michigan, and our friends that are there from Alaska going to school, one of their, one of their uh, friends was Kara. And I see her, and I'm just like, dude, why aren't you dating her? And he's like, well, she's already taken. She's dating somebody. I'm like, yeah, why aren't you dating her? I was like, she's got the most beautiful eyes in the whole world. So I saw her like twice that whole trip. It wasn't even a big deal. Four years later, five years later now, I think, it was the summer that I met Kara. My cousin Caleb comes down and he's like, hey, you remember that girl with the most beautiful eyes in the world? And I'm like, uh, yeah. He's like, she's coming here this summer. I'm like, oh, that's sweet. He's like, she's single. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> So it wasn't going to work out that I was going to see her because Brooks Range Bible Camp was going to overlap by like the day she was leaving, I think. And turns out that we actually got camp broken down early. And I was up in Palmer, on the, in Chickaloon actually, on the way back. And I was going to stay another night. And Caleb was like, dude, where are you at? Like, she's still here and you're here. Like, why aren't you going to come see her? Fly to Anchorage, go to a bonfire that night. And it wasn't really anything. She's still super pretty. And it was fun chatting with her and everybody else. And nothing really came of it. But there was another group of friends that was visiting too, and they were coming down to the peninsula. And I'm like, man, if you come down, like, call me up and I'll take you flying so that you can see from the air, like, what it looks like. And she's like, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'm just probably going to head home. She's like, well, will you take me flying? She's like, that's always been on my bucket list. And I'm like, sure. Sure enough, love at first flight, let me tell you. <laughs> we take off and we go. Um, we go up Kinnick Glacier and we fly up over the top of that into the Matanuska Glacier and come back down. And it's starting to get really bumpy right about Palmer. And I'm like, man, like we could land down there, but it's like blowing 22 knots crosswind. I'm like, that's going to be no fun. And she's already getting sick. I'm yanking my sleeping bag out of the stuff set, giving her the bag so she can throw up in it. I'm like, don't throw up in my plane. <laughs> and so we get to Birchwood, which is just a little bit after Palmer coming back towards Anchorage, and it's flat calm. So we land there. I'm like, hey, I know a guy. You can go down there, use the bathroom, get your feet back under you. We're walking into the hangar, and uh, my friend pops up, Michael Petrie. I'm like, oh, hey, man, how's it going? He's like, can we use your bathroom? He's like, yeah, it's right around there. And then another head pops up. It's Andrew Weaver, a really good close friend of our family. And she's like, Andy Weaver? 
is that you? And he's just like, who is this girl? And sure enough, Andrew Weaver um, was fishing buddies with Kara's dad, and Andrew Weaver's wife babysat Kara. So the only two people, like, in all of Alaska that she knows, like, mutual relationship, friendship, whatever you want to call it, like, we bump into them because she's getting sick and we're flying. So it's, like, already super crazy. They come down, they're from Michigan, and they come down to, like, all the holidays to eat, like, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and they're basically part of our family here now. And so it's pretty cool that they knew her. And anyways, co connections continued, and she ends up moving up here, and we, we get married six months later, and it's awesome. Lewis, we've got a kid now, um, and another one on the way. Um, we're going to have a girl April 27th, so kind of May. We're super excited. Um, but another thing I want to share, like, coming out of my marriage is, you know, I had that moment in my life where I was like, man, Lord, I want you to have the driver's seat, and I'm, I'm done letting you have the passenger seat. And that shift happened in my music, too. I'd always wanted to write a worship song but it was always me sitting down to like, to write a song. It was always like, cause I wanted to write a song. You know, I, I, I share with people, I used to write music to be worshiped, like that people would love my music, but now I'm writing music to worship, to worship the Lord. And the shift happened um, in my heart. I was sitting down trying to write another worship song. I was trying to write a song. I was trying to make it happen and I couldn't, you know, it just wasn't, the words weren't coming. The melody wasn't coming. I can write a love song in like five minutes flat with all the cute rhymes and all the little things. And I'm just like, why doesn't anybody like my music? I don't understand why it's not going anywhere. So I stopped and I just prayed and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, give me a melody. You know, I want it to be something that I can sing with all I have. It's like, just give me the words that will glorify you, that will fill your chambers. You know, just like a love song for my Savior. You know, not a love song for the world or for a girl or for anybody. You know, that song, my heart will sing no other name, Jesus, Jesus. That convicts me all the time. I'm like, what one name is my heart singing and ultimately my 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 first real worship song that i can hang on to and be like wow lord this is for you and it glorifies you i'd written multiple in the past but they just i never could connect with them you guys have heard those songs some of them speak to you and some of them are just like they kind of fall flat and, you know but for me that was a huge shift in my music where i was like man lord i want to i want to give that to you and i want you to take it where you want to take it even if that doesn't mean fame, if, even if it doesn't mean worldly credit, Lord, if I can serve the people that you have put in my life with my music, then I'm good. And uh, so, I mean, that's been, that was probably two years ago now when that song happened. And since then, I've written like 10 or 12 worship songs that I can hang on to. I've shared some of them with you guys here. It's hard to share all of them. I'm hoping to, to, to actually release a worship album so that everybody can hear those and that, um, you guys can worship them as well, but I want to play that one song to you where my, where my heart shift. Well, not play it to you, but for you guys so you can hear it and see where my heart is in that worship. And, uh, but just one last thing. I was talking with a couple in the back. Man, this was three months ago. And we we're just talking about music, and the Lord really just showed me once again Him answering my prayers. And they were just sharing with me that they're really encouraged by my music and that it was awesome. And I was like, I'm sitting there talking with them, and I was, I'm remembering my prayers like three years ago, asking the Lord to bless my music and that he'd use it to glorify him. And he sits, he, he just sits my mind down right there, and he's just like, you're using your music, you're glorifying me with it. He said, you do not have any sort of fame or any sort of worldly credit, but he's like, 
everybody that I've put in your life right now, I've given you the opportunity to share your music with them and your testimony and to let them worship this music with you to glorify me. And he just showed me that that's enough. He said, the people in your life is who I've called you to with your music. And I'm just like, wow. You know, he just showed me that that, that is enough, that if my music is reaching the people that are within my grasp to help them to glorify the Lord, then that's enough. So anyways, through that shift in, in my heart, this, this song came about, and I'm going to close with this so the band can actually come up as I'm finishing this song here, but the, uh, yeah, I'm just going to play it and let it, let it speak to you guys yourselves, but it's coming out of a, for me, coming out of a life spent trying to, trying to build my, my music kingdom, not, never giving the Lord a hold of that, you know, trying to build my own thing up that, that I would be glorified, and, and the song kind of just turns that all on its head, and, and it's kind of me processing it all through my mind. I don't want to sing just any old song I could write them all, but still have nothing at all. Lord, I've tried, but without you, all of my words return void, empty and lacking you. There's a hole in my heart, and it's crying out to you. For melody, I could sing with all I had. Give me the words to fill your chambers. A love song for my Savior and let it rise from my heart. Forever I'm yours, my God, my Savior. Take all of me. Jesus, you are all in me. I don't want to live this life seeking fame and vain approval, the treasures of this life, because you, you provide. The fullness my heart and soul desire come from you, only you. There's a hole in my heart, but it's nothing compared to you. Give me a melody, I can sing with all I have. Give me the words to fill your chambers, a love song for my Savior and So give me the words with every breath I want to Pull out precious praises to my God Cause you are enough for me
this voice I sing out. I give you my heart, I give you my soul. All I want, self, dear, I place into your hands. So give me the words with every breath I want to pour out precious praises to my God. You are enough for me And with this voice I sing out I give you my heart, I give you my soul All I want to tell dear I place into your hands I Sing with all I have. Give me the words to fill your chambers. A love song for my Savior. Mm. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just give you all the glory. I just pray that you would be honored and glorified by the testimony I've shared of your love and your faithfulness. Lord, your mercy trophies in my life, Lord, the things that you've given me that I don't deserve. I'm so far from deserving any of your love, but you just give it relentlessly. Lord, I just pray for everyone in here, Lord, that they would seek you with their whole heart. Lord, you say in Jeremiah 29, you talk about the plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans for a future. But as you continue, Lord, you say that when we seek you with our whole hearts, that we will find you, that you will be found I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I just pray that we would do that, Lord. But uh, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, and hearts to understand you, and just show us who you are. Lord, we just love you so much and pray these things in your name. Amen.